thank you all very much for uh, giving everybody time to uh, take a take a deep breath and enjoy a nice meal. And so uh, I hope everybody on Zoom had a uh, had a good lunch as well. And we're ready to get started. Uh, we left off with uh, item 10 on the agenda, which was lunch. And so now we're going to come back. Do we need a motion to approve lunch? No, okay. uh, all right. And uh, at uh, this point in time, I'm going to turn it over. It's time for our staff reports. So I'm going to recognize Eric Bridges, our executive director, and Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer. So Eric. All right. Well, good afternoon. So I've got I've got three items that I just wanted to 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 raise, but wanted to uh, acknowledge uh, the staff for a lot of um, a lot of work that's gone into and is going into uh, events like the convention, as well as uh, the upcoming Audio Description Awards Gala. Um, you know we. While our staff has grown uh, rather significantly over the last few years, uh, there are still many mm -hmm. of us that that are uh, needing yes. to wear different hats, uh, depending upon the time of year. And so, you know, there there are folks like Kelly Gask, Joel and Bailey Page, uh, Clark Rockfall, um, that you know are are really putting a lot of effort into the successful uh, preparation and execution of the audio description awards gala. And there will be others as we get closer, Sharon Levering, Nancy Becker, uh, Nancy Fila and others um, with regard to the back end management um, as well as Rick Morin. So the, you know, the, the gala is the first issue that I, I wanted to to talk about and it's 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 going to be a fun event November 29th 7:30 p.m. it's going to be uh broadcast on our YouTube channel on our Facebook page uh it will go out over ACB media and um there is a uh, an announcement that will be coming soon and actually I think we can say a little bit about it right now Paramount Global is offering up uh, one of their uh, streaming services to us to stream it live and to make it available for video on demand after. So uh, there, there is, uh, and, and more will be uh, coming on the sp specifics of all of that here in, in the coming weeks. Um, the, the event will be similar to last year. Uh, Thomas Reed, who was the host last year, has agreed to come back and host. And uh, uh, Nefertiti, oh, Olivares, thank you very oh, much. Olivares, yes. Yes. Um, it, it also, we'll be providing uh, the, the narration description, but we'll also this year have, uh, have an on-camera presence. So, and in fact, two days ago, uh, they got together with our producer of the event, Doug Rowland, in New York City, uh, Comcast, NBC Universal. Uh, donated uh, recording time at 30 Rock uh, NBC headquarters for us to to record all of the host and narrator uh, segments, which is really very cool. Um, so many many thanks to to Comcast for that. 
So <clears throat> there's been a lot of work that that has gone into this this process. I think you know started, gosh, back in May where we began to to uh, build and meet um, with the Gala Planning Committee. Uh, the Gala Planning Committee is co-chaired by Matt Ader from Vespero and Karen Kenniger, who many of you know uh, is retired from uh, the National Library Service at Library of Congress, and uh, there are a number of representatives that are representing uh, industry from Paramount Global, uh, NBC, and others that, that sit on this planning committee. We now are meeting every two weeks as a full planning committee, but there are subcommittees and work streams that, that are at times meeting every week and have been meeting every week for, oh gosh, probably the last couple months to ensure the the success of this event. It, 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 while it is a, a virtual event and it is, you know, a little over an hour in length, um, that, that requires a lot of, a lot of coordination. There's a lot of segments to this event. There's a lot of promotion that you'll be seeing in the coming weeks, literally this next week, <clears throat> a lot of fundraising that's taking place as well, because ultimately this is a fundraiser. This is, you know, us wanting to promote the art and science that is audio description, our leadership in this area, but we, we, we want to raise money. And to date, we've raised $92,500 for this. Last year, we raised, uh, I think it was sixty-five dollars or $66,000. So um, we've done uh, significantly better than last year. We're going to there, there's still a couple of outstanding prospects that um, I'm awaiting word from, but, you know, companies, one of the interesting things is there are some new companies that have never supported us before that are doing it for the first time this year. So Warner Brothers Discovery is a silver sponsor, which is $10,000. So they're the new conglomerate um, that has all the Warner Brothers content plus Discovery and Discovery Networks. Um very large uh, entity now that is just trying to figure out um, who's doing what in certain areas, but they've been really good to work with thus far. HBO Max falls under their umbrella. HBO Max, uh, yeah, the, of- the Turner channels, yep. um, a, a number, a number of, uh, uh, of cable channels that we all know. So, Disney has joined us this year as a silver sponsor, a first-time sponsor, um, as has Fox Corporation. They are a bronze sponsor at 5000 So we've got, we've got new companies, uh, companies that we have been engaging with uh, in, in different forums through our audio description work, uh, the work of the steering committee. Uh, Kim Charlson and, and Carl Richardson, and also the work of, of Clark Rockfall. Uh, those three and, and myself have really worked diligently to, to either, you know, begin these relationships or enhance these relationships over the last number of years. And we're seeing it bear some financial fruit for us this year, which I think is, is very encouraging. Um, want to thank the steering committee and in particular uh, Kim and Carl for their um, 
active, not just support, but engagement and working with staff to get uh, initiatives accomplished. Um, not the least of which is the the people, the AD People's Choice Award that uh, was announced. The, the nominees were announced last month and Kim has done a tremendous amount of work and uh, getting those clips from the various companies and working with Kelly. Um, thank you, Kim. Um, and, you know, there is a winner. The winner will be announced. You'll, you'll find out the day of, <laughs> but there is a winner and I'm really excited. There were over a thousand individuals that, that voted uh, for this and uh, you'll see it in Kelly's report, but you know, the, the star Wars uh, official Twitter feed that has over 6 million followers uh, shared our announcement because of Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, nomination, Star Trek, Strange New World, uh, Paramount Global shared it. Uh, the Star Trek official website shared it. One of their actors shared it. Uh, uh, Apple TV shared the nomination of Ted Lasso. Pretty neat stuff. So, um, you know, I think I think we're in a in a good place. I'm never completely uh, comfortable. That's not my role to be completely comfortable with anything. Um, there are a lot of moving parts to this. There are celebrity, um, uh, videos that we're still awaiting. Um, there are, you know, individuals, um, who have committed that we've not yet received videos from that. I, I will not speak of publicly until we get (laughs) the final asset from them. Um, but Ewan McGregor is somebody that has sent in a video. And I think it's very cool that Ewan McGregor, also known as Obi-Wan Kenobi, will be part of our, our gala. And uh, there are some other notables that you'll see here in the coming weeks. So excited for that. And very, very, uh, yeah, very um, happy for the support. Each Tuesday, we have a, a staff meeting to talk about the gala that includes uh, Kim and Dan and Carl Richardson, Joel Snyder, JoLynn, Kelly, uh, myself, and Nancy sometimes. She gets bored and wants to call in because she doesn't have enough to do. Yeah. At eight in the morning, her time. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, this year has been, um, uh, I think there's, it's been smoother. Part of it is that it's the second year of doing this. Right. And it's, things get easier. We did a really, what I think was a very effective lessons learned exercise after last year's um, <clears throat> gala to, to really kind of drill down into what, what we might want to change or what we could, what we, what we could improve upon. And I, so far, I, I think we're doing well. So, um, are there questions about the gala? It's good to me. It's a question that's been asked of me, and I honestly don't have an answer because I'd like to ask it as well. Not for this year, but perhaps in the future. Why do we not combine the awards, the AD awards that we do at convention with the ones for the gala? So this year, there will be an acknowledgement of the Audio Description Award, the ADP Awards, as part of this event. 
And uh, Kim or Dan, if you want to talk about sort of the discussions that have gone on concerning that. Sure. I'd, I'd be happy to say a few words. And Dan, if you want to chime in following. And, and we've asked the same question, some within the um, certainly Jeff Tom, who's chair of the ADP Awards Committee, we've talked about this. And and the kind of the distinction that we're making is that the AD Gala is all about media. It's about television and streaming services and and the growth of, of pre-recorded media. It's it's not about the other aspects of the audio description project, like performing arts and museums and parks and the the individual describers and so we we think that that our ADP awards that we give at the convention it it's an opportunity to recognize the other aspects of audio description and the other places that audio description is used that is not pre-recorded media and it's our opportunity to recognize individual theater companies for the work they're doing in live theater to bring description in. And this year we are incorporating a a segment in the gala to spotlight some of those award recipients from our our summer convention when we announced all the different winners of our ADP awards to start to broaden the recognition that audio description is used in um, other ways besides in in pre-recorded media. But the gala is unique and the gala, as well as being a tremendous awareness tool for audio description within the industry itself, we're getting a lot of attention because of the gala, but it's just one part of the entire audio description picture. So that's, an, and it's an opportunity, no question about it, for ACB to raise funds to support our, our audio description initiatives. Yeah, I was going to see if Jeff wished to speak because we had several workshops on this between the ADP Awards Committee and the AD Awards Gala Awards Subcommittee to kind of talk through and kind of reach consensus of what felt right, at least for this year. But I'll turn it over to Jeff because I know he yeah. was very much involved in those discussions. Kim has done a really good job of framing it. The only thing I would add is that, you know, from the convention side of things, it would be really a travesty and a loss for our members if we didn't have that portion of the convention that recognizes the people who actually provide the audio description or who um, arrange for it to be done in, in places like museums and theaters, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think our members would not be happy with us if we somehow, um, you know, integrated it into the gala. So that, that's really all I have to add. Thank you, Jeff. And I do think we're kind of making a really good step by at least taking the opportunity of the gala to, again, promote the ADP award winners uh, during the gala. gala. So, yeah. Dan. This yes, David. David. I, I think we would be wrong if we didn't acknowledge this point of how far this group has come. I was on this board back 10, 12 years ago when we had to struggle to come up with the money to pay Joel. And now it's actually uh, doing what Joel told us years ago it could do. And it's producing uh, good, positive income, but not just income. 
look at the recognition. This is one of the greatest um, recognition factors that ACB is known for. If you, if you talk about ACB anywhere in the United States and a lot of countries around the world, you know, they recognize us for audio description. So it, it is great. I think it was a good investment at a bad time when we really didn't have it to, to move forward with audio description and look at where we are now, guys. Uh, Eric and team, you, you guys have really knocked it out of the park. And Kim. Uh, thank you, David. All right. We'll turn it back over to Eric. Cool. Well, the next item uh, flows nicely with uh, with the gala because it uh, it's a position that that the board approved in the last meeting, and and uh, within the next week or so, we will be uh, posting the position opening for the audio description project coordinator position. So, uh, this is a again a. a an outgrowth of the maturity of the audio description project as a as one of our our nine key programs within ACB and the need for it, uh, you know, for for a staff person to come on and and work on uh, initiatives related to audio description with ADP, but also even. Um, more broadly than than ADP, you know, this position will report to Clark Rockfall, uh, you know, our director of advocacy and governmental affairs, because this is an advocacy position and won't only be focused on the work of ADP. There will be obviously natural uh, work and in collaboration with ADP, but also working with Clark uh, and others on you know legislative and regulatory areas that that pop up dealing with audio description uh working alongside Clark and and myself at times uh in the development of relationships with you know companies in the entertainment industry so there's there there are are different facets for what this role uh will be and again really um have been uh it's been great to be able to work with with Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson, to uh, along with along with Joe Lynn, to craft and, and sort of rethink this position as it you know was kind of a uh, a mashup position, right? The uh, the ADP coordinator and grant writer were mashed into one, and it's continued to to evolve this this thing we call ADP over the last year and a half since Joe Lynn took took the position and uh we've had a couple of good meetings over the last three weeks with with Clark and Jolyn and Kim and Carl to to really flesh out uh what the roles and responsibilities of this new position would look like. So again we'll be posting that here shortly and hope to have somebody on board uh before Christmas. Uh, let's see. Lastly, and this is always the, I just, boy, I love talking about moving. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a great cleaning opportunity, Nancy said. Good times, good times. So uh, the the uh, school district of uh, Alexandria, Virginia, 
uh, is our landlord for our office space, our national office office space. And um, they informed us that, you know, they're going to be turning that the building that we're in right now into a school. So uh, we probably won't be welcome. Uh, no, they, they <laughs> to commandeer the fourth grade fourth grade classroom and make it ACB. Um, but the, yeah, so we've been, we've been working with um, a, a, a real estate uh, representative for the school district to uh, identify other options. Uh, really, you know, our target to, to move is, I would say March of next year. And so Nancy came out a couple of weeks ago. We visited a bunch of different places, um, all of which were in areas where there was a lot of good uh, available public transportation, which from my standpoint is, is very key. Where we are currently is a, is a very nice building, uh, but the public transportation is, is really challenging. And I want for our employees that are either blind or don't drive to have easier access. So um, the consequence of that is that we wind up looking at more desirable areas where the price per square foot is significantly more. So um, we're in the process of, of negotiating um, with, with them over some of the price per square foot. Um, we're even considering reducing our, our footprint that we need because I don't know that we necessarily need the amount of square footage that we have right now because of the just the nature of how people are are working these days. Everybody comes into the office, but not everybody comes in every day. And that's all right. But you know, in order for us to to be mindful of our finances, um, we may need to look at at less square footage, which I think, you know, we we ought to be able to to accomplish. In addition, uh, we've had a, I've had an initial discussion with one of our advisory board members who's looking to sub um, sublease some some sublet some space in their office, which is a very nice office space in a high traffic area of Arlington where there's a bus hub right next door. And so, all of this is to say there's more to come. But we are I'm actively engaged in this process to try and relocate us uh, at the end of the first quarter of next year. Um, thank you, um, Eric. I'm I'm the the ghost of Oral Miller is telling me to ask this. So I'm going to any uh, any chance of moving back into D.C. I don't believe so. Um, the the price per square foot of a lot of the office buildings in in D.C. near metro stops is is pretty pretty hefty. All right. Do we have any other questions for Eric? All right. Great stuff. Uh, oh, sure. Please. I, do Terry have, only gets one more question. <laughs> Terry, you get. <laughs> Terry, you get. You get all the questions you want, Terry. Yes. Go ahead. Terry. Actually, three people yesterday in in unison all said you talked more than Ray Campbell. <laughs> 
Now we don't want to make Ray jealous. He might. Oh, no, his yeah. Game. yeah. Don't do that. I'm just, no, I just wanted to ask you very simple. Approximately how much per square foot are we hoping to get at? Well, what we're paying right now is $38 a square foot. And the areas that we are looking at, like at the King Street Metro, Terry, mm-hmm. um, as well as Crystal Drive and Crystal City, they're all 42 to $43 a square foot. Thank you. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't know <clears throat> how real, you know, we're going to negotiate. Um, I don't know how realistic it is to get back to 38, um, which is why looking at the square footage is, is an area that I'm um, very interested in. And Eric, I apologize because uh, Nancy was whispering something in my ear. So um, did, did, did you mention that the negotiation you had done with the current landlord? Well, so they've, um, they've agreed to essentially give us three uh, months of rent uh, for free, uh, January, February, March of next year. So um, as part of the whole negotiation of, hey, you know, we're going to kick you out. And we said, okay, what are you going to give us? <laughs> yeah, all right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Well, uh, we're, we're currently spending, what is it, Nancy, about 70, 72,000 a year on our space. And if we were to have to go to 43, 42, 43, that could wind up meaning upwards of $100,000 a year, um, which would include the tax, correct, Nancy? So it's 95 to 100,000. So it's significant, um, which is why I don't, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a good deal, but we're also not going to be, you know, 40 miles outside of Washington. Um, That, that, that doesn't work. So we'll get it done. And hopefully by, uh, do you think we'll have, by the time we get to the budget meetings, you think you'll have a, that would be my hope. Yeah. That's your Mm -hmm. goal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nancy informed me that she's uh, and David are having a few technical issues and they have the next three items on the agenda, <laughs> which is the remainder of uh, item 11. And then item 12 is uh, David's uh, narrative and 13 is the drawdown of the, um, the legacy uh, reserve uh, endowment reserve. So if it's okay with everybody, I'm going to move on to item 14, which I think we have all the players for that one. So, Mr. President, yes, go ahead, Ray. Before you do that, yes. Since we're kind of at the end of the, or going into the financial part of the staff reports uh, eventually, and uh, that I think this would be an appropriate time, I would like to make a motion that the ACB Board of Directors publicly congratulate the ACB community on the celebration of its 10,000th event and wish and pledge to support them uh, and wish them the best of luck in the future. Yeah, so and Donna, and so Ray and Donna both on the Community Support Committee, I think that's very appropriate. And really what we're talking about here is through our uh, ACB community events that started uh, in March of 2020, just uh, what, a week or two ago, we celebrated our 10,000th community event, uh, which is just pretty doggone amazing. 
Uh, and so I think that's a wonderful uh, motion, Ray. Do I have any additional discussion? Hearing none, all in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? And Cindy and Colby and countless, countless volunteers. Thank you. Thank you so much for the wonderful communications vehicle and, and truly environment for interaction that you have brought, brought to our organization. It's, it's really all of us helping ourselves. Amen. It, it truly, truly is. All right. So we're going to move on uh, to item 14 in the agenda, and then we'll back back backtrack a little bit uh, as soon as I get the go ahead from uh, Nancy. So item 14 on the agenda was a resolution that was passed uh, this year, a 2022 uh, conference and convention related to some concerns our membership were having with success beyond sight uh, related to the national teachers of the visually impaired registry. And so uh, it was uh, as part of that resolution, it was recommended to be uh, uh, delegated uh, to the advocacy steering committee uh, and for uh, them with staff uh, to work at having a dialogue with success beyond site and then coming back with the findings and a recommendation to our ACB board of directors here at the fall board meeting. So Tom and Kim Charlson, who from the Advocacy Steering Committee really took the lead in this area, as well as Clark Rockville and Swathananda Kumar and myself who participated. So go ahead uh, first, maybe Jeff and then Kim. Okay, so just to give a little bit of background, the resolutions which were introduced in 2021 and 2022, um, I know this will be a little repetitive for board members, but there are others who may not have all this background. Um, the resolution had concerns about the registry because basically the registry seemed to indicate that if you entered your name into this registry, you were a teacher of the visually impaired. And, but there was nothing in the registry that really um, had any uh, information that which one could ascertain as to whether you truly were um, such a teacher. In fact, anybody could conceivably have put in their name. So this was a resolution and it, it was very critical of that registry. And um, under the motion that we, the recommended motion, um, the advocacy steering committee with the help of the uh, Special Education Task Force was to come back to the board with a recommendation. So we had some initial meetings as to what we felt should be done. Um, some concerns, specific concerns came out, including the fact that there was a uh, sort of an inadequate disclaimer as to the fact that, um, that uh, the, the registry did not indicate that someone definitely was a uh, teacher of the vision impaired. And there was also a, a badge or logo um, by each name that sort of gave the, you know, not subliminal, but gave the, 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 the message 
uh, that one would necessarily or one would definitely be a teacher of the visually impaired. Um, so a, after these discussions were held, Kim, uh, Dan, Clark, and Swatha met with the, um, I, guess, I guess she, the executive director, is that her title? Of Success Beyond Sight, who is the, um, which is the name of the entity that put up the registry. And they agreed to sort of uh, do a few things. They agreed to clarify that the, the disclaimer. Um, oh, and I should add that the, the real purpose for the registry was really for uh, not in terms of finding uh, individuals that you could employ as teachers, but for research purposes so that there could be better um, avenues for engaging in research in the special education field. But uh, be that as it may, the, uh, it was agreed, and, and they have done this, to do a couple things. They've clarified that the, that the disclaimer, among other things, should not be taken as um, verifying that an individual whose name is on there is a teacher of the visually impaired. Um, and they've also removed the, the logos or badges that really conveyed that sort of message. Um, they did not, however, agree to uh, change the name, which was one of the things that we had asked for. So what the, and we think that, well, basically it is our motion to the board today to write a letter to the uh, Success Beyond site commending them for taking, for, for agreeing to talk with us, for taking the actions that they did, but um, letting them know that as long as it is still going to be called a national registry, uh, we do feel there are legitimate concerns in terms of people believing that someone is a teacher who may not be certified or licensed in their state or, or any state to teach vision, blind or visually impaired kids. And so there is a draft letter. The letter is um, in your board, uh, was sent out earlier this week. And I would, I, I want to, um, before I turn it over to Kim, I want to commend everyone, the Special Education Task Force, um, Kim and uh, Clark and Swatha and Dan, I th and really um, Success Beyond Sight did go uh, a fair amount of the way um, toward making improvements. And so this letter really uh, states our position, um, both in terms of commending them for what they did do and letting them know that um, there is still more work if, if they choose to pursue it. Um, it is really doubtful that they would change the name, but we do feel it's important to let them know that we still feel that that would be the most appropriate thing to do. And with that, I'll turn it over to Kim for any comments that, that she might have. Um, thanks, Jeff. I don't have too much more to add, but to say that, you know, it was a very collaborative process with um, Success Beyond Sight and is S-I-G-H-T, by the way, <laughs> just so everybody doesn't go spelling it incorrectly. It's S-I-G-H-T. And um, it's, you know, the as Jeff said, they, um, they were incredibly collaborative. Kathy Zider is the executive director of ACVREP, the certification organization, and Success Beyond Sight is a subsidiary 
of that organization with its own board of directors, um, 11 individuals, um, six of whom are blind individuals. So, you know, the, I mean, we literally worked with her on the wording for the, the explanatory language to enhance and clarify, you know, what the, what the uh, National Registry for Teachers of the Visually Impaired is and what it is not. And, and the whole question around the, uh, the, you know, certification, not certified. It's, it's very clearly stated that um, being listed in the registry is, is neither um, a, an, you know, an attestation that the person listed is a certified teacher of the visually impaired or is not a certified teacher of the visually impaired. Um, That, that, um, information would needs to be sought from your own state's um, licensure agency within the Department of Education or wherever it may be. So so we clarified that language on their website. We also in and, and, and moved it to a more prominent position. They were very good about that. And also um, language on the landing page when you want to add your name to the registry. Um, there's also very clear language there about what the registry is and is not. So it's 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 not hidden. It's very clearly explained. And as Jeff said, they they removed the um, the badge or the logo, which their intent was strictly for advertising and promotion, but were readily agreed to remove it because of the concern that a badge infers some level of competency or certification or licensure for a teacher of the visually impaired. So if you've read the letter, you know, we, we commend them for the areas where they did um, collaborate with us and listen to what we had to say. Um, and in the part where we talk about what our concern is around the word registry and the official sound of that name and that word, we say we reserve our support as an organization for the National Registry for Teachers of Students with Visual Impairments, um, and then offer our our collaboration to have further dialogue. But that you know our our understanding is that Success Beyond Sight either cannot or will not change their name, and therefore we reserve our support of the concept of the registry at this time and then offer Dan, you know, his willingness to talk and ACB's willingness to talk further if there is a desire for them to do so. And that's where we are. Mr. President, I would be very remiss if I did not also um, indicate the hard work on this group of uh, Debbie Grubb as chair of the special education task force and that it was a unanimous vote of the advocacy steering committee that this letter be written in essentially as it has been done. Thank you. That is our motion to the board. All right. right, So thank you. So Jeff, uh, coming as the chair of the advisory steering committee, you're making the motion to, for the board to approve the letter to go to success beyond site. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'll second it. This is Doug. Okay. And Doug uh, Powell has seconded. Uh, Any discussion or questions from our board? Yeah, this is Chris Bell. So I've always wondered when I say will not or cannot change them, why would they not be able to change it if they wanted to? 
Uh, I didn't say they cannot. They can do anything they want, but they. No, but I think the letter does. The letter, the letter does say that it says either either success beyond sight will not or cannot. Um, And the explanation that Kathy Zider gave to us was, we've invested money in a logo and in a copyright and and have you know invested our resources in this. And I, I'm highly doubtful that the board would wish to change the name. Doesn't well, mean that they wouldn't or couldn't, but um, that was that was her her response to our request that they consider um, a name change for the current national I, I registry. Would Would you consider it a friendly amendment to say to strike uh, cannot from the letter? Because if if they wanted to and, and were willing to eat the resources, they could. Uh-huh. There's nothing that keeps them from doing it. And just say that we understand that you that success that you will not will not. How about yeah. is not likely to? Yeah, that's Kim, Chris and Kim. Or, that's are you, fine. You I don't have a problem with that. that. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. This is Kenny. I disagree. Okay. I, I like I like will not much better than is not likely to. Because I think what they're doing is definitely on purpose. I think this is a confusing thing for a parent of a blind child who already gets very little support or assistance in knowing what to do about the education of their child. I think it's a confusing um, registry. And I think that parents should know that the people listed on that registry are not necessarily certified. And right now they don't. And what they've agreed to do does not inform them of that. I think we're providing a disservice to parents of children with visual impairments if we don't do more than what we just did. This is Deb. Okay, uh, Deb. First, we we had a friendly amendment out there. Is is this related mm-hmm. to the conversation around the friendly amendment? I just want to make sure we're good there. Yes, for- I think it is. <laughs> okay, because because the proposal is that we would strike the cannot and just say will not. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, okay so ahead, yes, Deb. my my discussion is related to that. Okay, go um, ahead. Deb. So, so I I um I guess I think that we, while I think will not is in fact technically correct right now, I think that it's um probably the the problem is that they did it in the first place. It's it's not so much whether they can readily change it. Um, it, it would be pr- fairly major for them to do that. So I think it's really more appropriate to say that, um, that they've chosen, they've made an actual choice. They've chosen not to. Um, but I think when you start in on will not, I think that I, I'm not as sure that it's, I think it was a bad judgment, but I'm, it sounds like since so much of the rest of the conversation went really, really well, I hate to drive that wedge in there by um, um, kind of closing that door off and making them look adversarial. I think it's better to state the facts, which is that we, we don't know whether they will ever, and we don't know whether they can ever, but what we do know is what they've chosen. So this is Doug. Okay, so uh, back to the, wait, hold one thought quickly, Doug. So. So, are, are, Deb, are you saying uh, your at least friendly amendment to the friendly amendment, if we get mm-hmm. to these three words that we're yes. going to talk about for a long time? Is yes, yes. Have chosen not? Yes. 
instead of will not have chosen yes. not? Yes. Okay. I yes. think I, I would act technically agree with Deb. I think that's the clearest way to say it. Okay. Kim, are you good with that? I I am very good with that. I think that's okay. a better choice of wording. Yeah. I, I like that too. And so now, so we've now, at least the friendly amendment that everybody's okay with is have chosen not. Okay. Yes. So now to Doug, to Go ahead, yeah. Doug. Yes. I'm the seconder. And, and I was, I, I wanted the language to be the whole purpose of this letter is to uh, commend the, you know, commend the changes that have been made and to express our concern that uh, one change that we uh, felt was important was not made and to leave it open to future discussion and the possibility of changing. So, uh, that's why I was going to argue against will not and and you know and uh, I was going for uh, before before Deb said chosen not um, uh, was was not likely to was better than will not so I'm fine with chosen not and uh, so I, I think that fits with the uh, with the uh, temperature of the letter to you know to leave right. the discussion open possibly in the future okay so it sounds like everybody is coalescing coalescing around have chosen not all right if that's good and everybody's agreed that that's the comfortable change there is there any more discussion on the motion all right H hearing none all those in favor signify by saying aye aye, aye. 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 opposed all right. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, Swatha and Clark and uh, Kim and Jeff and, and all of the Advocacy Steering Committee. And a special thanks to the Special Education Task Force with Debbie Grubb and Lori and Mark Riker and team. So thank you all so much. All right. We now have our technical gremlin solved. And so we're going to uh, go back to the second half of the staff reports, which was item number 11. And we're going to hear from uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer. Thank you very much. You know, technology is great until it's not there. So um, I'm in the middle of working on the draft of the 2023 budget. So I'd like to say thank you to all the committee chairs who provided me a proposal for the 2023 expenses. It's very helpful for me. So getting the budget approved involves about three steps. First, I'll receive input from the committees and staff members on anticipated needs for 2023. Then Dan, Eric, and myself will review the first draft, then the budget committee, and lastly, it goes to the full bar board for review. Once the budget has been once the budget has been approved by the board, then we do a follow-up with the committees, letting them know how much of their budget requests have been approved. So this, you guys, honestly, is about a three-month process for me. So I'm um, deep in the middle of this. Um, the next thing that I think is actually really exciting is the member site. So the member site continues to expand. It has many opportunities for us to provide information to members, potential members, and a way to keep us connected with one another. Right now, ACB only offers continuing education credits during the convention. With individuals being able to attend sessions virtually, there was a way, there, there was a way for a number of individuals to take these continuing education credits and really, really saw a spike in continuing education um, credits in 20, what year, 2021. 
So this has sparked an interest in being able to offer continuing education credits year-round through our community events. So right now we are in the exploration and trying to work through the process flow. And hopefully this is something that we can um, offer in, I would not say the real near future, but in the future. Because so I think this is a great opportunity because I um, there is a lot of wonderful information that comes from the community events. There is also the opportunity for individuals to be able to access the links for the community events through the member site. So this is something that we were talking about, you know, at the convention, people are able to go into the member, they were able to go into the member site. And if they clicked on, I think it was convention links, you had all the Zoom information in there. So we are in the beginning of stages of looking to see if we can put community events on the member site also. So that way they would log into the community, uh, community, sorry, the member site, there's going to be a tab. There would be a tab there for community events. They'd be able to see what events are happening. And if they decide to join, they just would click on that. So we are working with Cindy on this project because this information would be managed by her group. And then last but not least, we have individuals who call into our office to find out what affiliates they are a member of because they don't know. And I find that really ironic because this happens right after certification. So we figured the member site would be a great place for individuals to be able to see what affiliates they are members of. We would also like them to be able to see what is happening with their affiliates. So the affiliates could be having a state convention, they could be having a chapter meeting, or there's an event of interest in their area. So how I'm sort of envisioning this is, let's say, because I'm from Minnesota, I'm part of the Minnesota chapter, really not, but let's say I was, and I wanted, I went into my members um, site, there's that tab there that says my member information, I would see ACBA of MN, and I'd like to see what the ha they have going on, there would be a place I can click on and it would open up another screen that says what's going on in the area. So it would be really easy for me to see what is going on in the state of Minnesota for ACBMN. That way I wouldn't have to necessarily read all my emails or do anything. It would be right there. So we're in the beginning stages of this also, but I think this is a wonderful opportunity. And then last not but not least is the scholarship application process will be opening very soon. So we have um, received some feedback from the scholarship committee members on updates, updates they want in the application. We are taking care of that. We are also reaching out to the schools to let them know that the application process will be open soon. So instead of just sending a general email to the school, we have reached out to whoever the counselors are, gotten their names so we can send the information directly to them. Any questions? <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, this question is something that's come up in membership steering and other places uh, regarding affiliate member management system. Would there be a possibility of doing at least some training with that prior to January? Um, I think the reason this is being asked, I think there are some people that have expressed some concern that 
uh, January timeframe gets really busy and uh, they like to have some, you know, if they you know, refresh for training on MMS, if, you know, if it's needed uh, prior to January. And uh, in that vein, I'll just say, I would like to once again, be a part of your training team. You hand it back to me. So the question I have on that one is if we do it before January, um, are we going to have enough people that want to attend the sessions that it would be worth our while? Because I know that there's sessions that we put out there that one person or only two people attend. And then once we hit that March deadline, everybody's calling our office because they, because they've forgotten how to add people. They don't know how to certify people. So I am willing to work with the members records people to do training when they want, but if we're going to do that, then we need new people and seasoned people to attend it so that we don't have the crunch the week of. I don't want one of my employees to stay after work for four hours working with a member's record person who hasn't done anything until a week before everything is due. Let, maybe, let me ask you all this, because we've got some vehicles in place that we didn't have in place before, right? We have the hump day happy hour with the for all of the affiliate presidents, and then Gabriel and Jeff we have the special interest affiliate circle, uh, you know, for the special interest affiliates. Is there, uh, what I would almost feel like there needs to be some understanding. We've had so many new presidents that have come on in the last couple of years of even the functionality that's that's uh, available now through AMS, because I know like Donna Brown is an affiliate president. You actually keep track of your affiliate totally in AMS, right? You don't use anything else but AMS, right? Yeah, and 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 you can even generate uh, reports and spreadsheets, and and so I think there's some functionality there that, especially for our smaller affiliates, I think they could be almost completely housed on on AMS and not have to do this two step where they keep track of everything and then try to upload it at the eleventh hour, but I'm not sure how many of our affiliates even know that that functionality is out there. I, I do know for the last couple of years that Cindy has had me talk on the Humpty Happy Hour about um, AMMS. And the first time I did it, there were presidents who didn't even know that they could access it. And they did not know who their membership records person was. So maybe we could do those meetings and out of those, get some people to sign up and maybe invite their membership person to have a, a training class or something. Yeah. I don't know. Just throwing it out as a thought, but yeah. I know last year, Dan, this is Connie, that we, we did have our AMMS with the presidents at one time and did some training, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so much that the AMMS, I mean, South Dakota, we love it. I mean, I have my one gentleman and he's like, he wants to keep doing it all the time because he really enjoys how easy it is and how we can just access it. So I think that's just. Do you do the same thing in South Dakota? Is that your your database of record now for your membership? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I do a little bit on the side for some, you know, for our convention right now. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I mean, it's nice that you can pull the Excel sheet or a CBS sheet mm -hmm. and um are, I mean, we go in and we've been getting new members or change of address and we just go in right now and still update all that stuff. Yeah. Mr. President, this is Chris Bell. I don't know yeah, whether Cindy's ahead, on the line, but but I, I recall 
that she said there's really a relatively small percentage of affiliate presidents that attend hump day happy hour. So I don't think if that's true, which I think it is, then I think we need some additional way of, of getting to the presidents about this, because I don't think alone that will be adequate. And we also have a president's meeting, a full president's meeting scheduled, and I'm getting confused. One is the at the end of October, and one is at the end of November, and I'm just not sure which one's which, <laughs> but okay, they're well, both coming just, up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we could put that on the agenda for that as well. And there we okay. usually get about 40 or 50 presidents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good point, right? I mean, you want to, all of a sudden when it gets to March, it's too late, right? Yeah, everybody's in scramble mode. Yeah. So if we could do that earlier in December or at least the beginning of January, that would be helpful. Yeah. This is Deb. Yes, go ahead, Deb. Yeah, I was just going to suggest also along the lines of any training or whatever, it's in some smaller affiliates, I'm sure it's the president who does this. In most larger affiliates, it's someone else. It's possibly the treasurer. I know that's the case in ours. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we do actually have the training, um, I don't have a problem with, I mean, you can figure out when to have it and people will come or not come when they know there's a real topic of interest or importance, more do come. So I think I'm not worried about that, but, but I do think we should actually encourage them to bring the person who does the work, because again, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's good for the presidents to have a better sense of the functionality, but what you're really trying to get to is the president or not, whoever is actually doing the work here, because um, I agree. It's a fabulous uh, underutilized tool. And um, we just need to make sure that maybe the training should actually be um, somewhat mandatory or something and offer it a couple of times. But I think people should have to do this. Hard to make anything mandatory in ACB, but we can, uh, I know, but we but can I really, encourage really it and, use and, the system. and I think, yeah, yeah. You use our, our communication vehicles we have in place. And maybe, you know, I know we have the, the training and stuff, but maybe we have send out the, you know, the education stuff and make sure that the presidents or the AMMS people have mm -hmm. that and have that always available to them. Because, I mean, it's great to be able to update that all the time. I mean, just go in and you update it. And once you know it, it's so easy. I mean, it's just yeah. a wonderful tool. But I think making sure that they know those tools are available and that information is accessible. I mean, it's available all the time. I mean, you can pull in the training. I mean, Sharon and Nancy are great about having that available. And it's also available on the AMMS too. There's yeah. a tab this is, on there. This is, this is Doug. I, I think I go, heard. Go Ken, ahead, but, Doug. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I think it, it, it's a marketing problem because uh, when they say, you know, AMMS, uh, you know, the training are set up, you know, for such and such a dates for Mac and for, for Windows, Anybody who's been on the system for several years uh, ignores it. I, th I think we need to say, you know, things have changed over the last couple of years. And it's, it, you know, it's pretty important that people, even veterans, come to this and, and, uh, and you know, uh, are made aware of, of updates that are available. I have a comment, too. And, 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 and this is Kenneth after uh, Jeff. So I, that's all I have to say about that. And I had another question about Nancy's report. When, uh, hold, when on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, we can't. We got to hear Doug. Uh, go ahead, Doug. I said, uh, I said, I have another question for Nancy after this discussion uh, get, is complete. Okay. okay. We have Jeff and then Kenneth. Go ahead, Jeff. So I have, I have a 
number of things about Nancy's report that I would like to also address, but I will strictly just address the AMMS issue right now, which is to say that that there's there's no reason why through a number of vehicles, um, and, and I would promote the use of ACB media because it would allow us to then allow people access to specific things based on roles um, to, to produce this training material and have it available on demand at any time for anyone to be able to obtain it. Um, and, and there's been discussion around this already for some of the community process as well. Uh, I, I also have other comments, but I'll reserve them until such time as I, I, I can. I, I would like to comment about some of the other members site uh, feedback that's been given by Nancy, okay. but I'll wait for that. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We'll hear Kenneth first and then go back to Doug and you on. Yes. Jeff, are you meaning, are you, Jeff, are you meaning tutorials? That's correct. Okay. We do have those on there. There is tutorials on there right now. Audio, audio based and, and written. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we just need to publish them uh, better. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. It, it seems a lot of this is about marketing and communication, isn't it? Yeah. So mm -hmm. we come, keep coming back to the same two words. Okay. Go ahead, uh, uh, Kenneth. Okay, Dan. Earlier you said that there was a meeting coming up at the end of October. I wanted to let you know that you scheduled a committee chair's meeting on October 30th. Yeah. I, I said one was on, I, I knew one was in October and one was in November. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for the clarification, Kenneth. So, uh, committee chairs is at the end of October and the president's uh, meeting is the end of November. So thank you. All right. And then I think, uh, so is that all the discussion on AMS? Thank you, Ray. That generated a lot of good conversation. Appreciate it. All right. Next, uh, there were just some additional comments on Nancy's report in general. I think both Doug and Jeff had a comment. So go ahead, Doug, first. Thank you. Um, Nancy, I, so... <laughs> We, or we've been discussing recently, uh, I've forgotten which, which hat I'm wearing when we've been dis discussing it, the uh, issue of um, affiliate websites underneath the, you know, underneath the affiliate page on the, webs on the ACB website. And the fact that most, uh, uh, many affiliates, I won't say most, uh, many affiliates uh, have not looked at it probably in a couple of years, uh, which brings up a real concern for me when you were talking about member the members being able to go in and find out where their membership is and then click on that and find out what's happening uh, real time in those affiliates. Um, what is the mechanism by which the affiliates are uh, listing those at, you know, at, I, I think that needs, I think it's a, a fabulous potential, but I think it needs a, a huge co uh, cooperation and collaboration uh, or it's going to uh, fizzle and, and, and be a detriment rather than, a, a, rather than an asset. So right now we're looking at just rolling it out with one group or two groups to see how it works. And then if other state and special interest affiliates want to utilize it, they can. If they choose not to, then they do not need to. But I think it would be beneficial to everybody if they used it. I think you'd, that way you're communicating with with people within your state or special interest affiliate. And you can cre create connections a little bit better. 
Oh, I'm, I, I have no, I have no doubt about the ap- efficacy of it if, if, if it's kept up. But if the question is the manpower to, to make sure that it's current. We will, we will need to work on that. All right. Thank you, Doug. Uh, and then back to Jeff Bishop. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, the, uh, the, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay, great. I just wanted to uh, comment on, on, on a couple of things, um, in reference to one, um, uh, notifying people about, uh, what's going on across affiliates. And we've been talking about the use of a national calendar. We have that infrastructure already set up on ACB media. Um, I, I'm a little concerned about generating new sources of, of ways of disseminating information because I think that just adds confusion for, for, for uh, you know, people within the organization. So I would like to, I would like to at least be involved in that process to at least understand what, what that looks like to, to talk about integration and other possibilities so that we have some one of a seamless path for the sharing and disseminating of information. Um, and, and, and again, this goes back to, this also goes back to, you know, the, the future goal of, of an ACB ID across the properties of all of our websites, which, of which of course we have many. So, and I know that's a longer term strategy and I get that, but I I just want to make sure that that's, that's being considered, um, you know, as a part of this, because I think it's, we should we should be consistent in our approach in disseminating information. All right, thank you, Jeff. All right, uh, uh, do we have any other hands at this moment? I'm not hearing anybody ask for the floor. Nancy, was that the end of your? Uh, That's the end of your, your not not the end of you because you've got you've got many more items coming along. So, so, but are you done with the CFO uh, staff report? Yes, I am. Okay. So move approval to staff reports. Okay. Ray has moved. Connie has seconded approval of the staff reports. Thank you, Eric, and thank you, Nancy. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. We are now going to go back and pick up item number 12, which is a narrative of the financials uh, year to date for 2022. Uh, with David Trott, uh, ACB Treasurer. Okay, uh, I'm kind of depressed today, so I'm gonna have to ask Nancy to read my report. But I need to share with you why I'm so depressed. I learned something real sad about our executive director this morning from Clark. He says that our executive director can't predict the future. Now I swear that was in his resume when we hired him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, I'm making the transition from Braille to large print, and I left my reading glasses, so Nancy's agreed to read my report, and then I'll have some closing comments. All right. See, Nancy, I knew you weren't done. You were just transitioning to your next role. Yes. That's right. That's right. So year-to-date actual net loss is $883,100. The budgeted net loss, $20,000. Seven hundred dollars. So year to date, just mind you, when we did the budget, we did not, we do not include unrealized net gains and losses. That's why there's such a huge difference between those two. So year to date, ACB operating revenue is nine hundred eighty-three thousand three hundred dollars. Budget was one million two hundred twenty thousand 
$100. Year-to-date ACB operating expenses, $1,444,600. Budget was $1,590,500. So while we are under in our revenue, we are also under in our expenses. Year-to-date ACB operating deficit is $461,300. Budget is $370,400. Our unrealized losses is $795,100. So for revenue, ACB is almost $237,000 below budget. General donations had increased in 2020 and in 2021, but with an in-person convention and the changing economic conditions, individuals decreased or stopped their general or MMS donations. Individual unrestricted donations were $65,400, which was 79% to goal. Areas below below budget with specific campaigns associated with them were 60 for 60, the ACB walk, and the get up and get moving campaign. The donations for these campaigns were from both individuals and corporations. So the actuals for these combined is $53,100. Budget was $156,000. Not included in ACB financial statements is the WAC funds that will be allocated to the teams who participated in the WAC, and this will be over $24,000 that we will be giving back to affiliates. There was $50,000 budgeted for an audio description national parts project, and those funds weren't received until last week. So while it was in the budget um, before, Um, Before the end of August, we did not receive it till October. So $33,300 of this $50,000 will be expensed to an organization ACB is working together with on this project. Grants were close to being on track through August. Actual was $154,000. Year-to-date budget was $160,000. The 2022 budget at year-end is supposed to be $240,000. Donations for used vehicles came back strong in 2022, with actual revenue being $72,200. However, the expenses associated with the third party who manages the donations are high, leaving ACB with a profit of $22,300. The management of ACB's mini mall is in a transition period, so sales have been softer than anticipated. Actual for this was $6,000. Budget was $35,000. The expenses were $5,000. We had budget expenses to be $18,500. We needed to replenish some of the basic products in Mini Mall, leading to an increase in expenses, but not with corresponding increases in sales. We also have been looking at different ways to increase sales, yet keep our inventory levels to a minimum. ACB collected funds for the Ukraine this spring. AC donated, ACB personally donated to this also. So there was a there was I think a board motion that went with this. You said so, Ukraine. I, I, okay. Ukraine. Ukraine. Okay, got Ukraine. it. Ukraine. Yes, got it. 
Okay. We raised $9,200 and the funds were sent to the World Blind Union for distribution. We're a little behind the times, Dan. I know there's hurricanes, but this was Ukraine. Um, So since ACB started holding our auctions online, the money raised has continued to exceed expectations. In 2022, it was $37,000 and the budget was $32,000. Expenses. So salaries and benefits are about $90,000 below budget. The communications manager position has been open since mid-March and the director of development position has been open since mid-June. So wages, just so you guys know, wages and benefits are 51% of our operating expenses. So this does not include anything with the convention. It's just the, um, the first portion, which is ACB. Um, the other expenses that we are able to control were or at were at or below budget for ACB. The next section is ACB thrift stores. The thrift stores actual year to date is two hundred sixty seven thousand three hundred dollars. Budget was one hundred sixty four thousand five hundred dollars. So ACB's thrift stores net contribution through August. Um, sorry about that digressing. Sorry. Part of this increase was due to the forgiveness of the $75,237 in the PPP loan, which we had anticipated that would have been forgiven in 2021, but it was not forgiven until February of this year. So since it was, since it was forgiven in this year, we needed to recognize the income in the year that it was forgiven. The thrift store support was about 27000 above budget. And this is in large part because there is now a dedicated staff person who manages the day-to-day operations of these thrift stores. I, can, I know I've said it before, but I cannot say how much of a difference it has made to have somebody managing thrift stores every day. Convention. Um, net profit, 106000 Budget, was 185,200. Actual revenue for the convention was $479,700. Budget was $561,500. Registration fees, individual sponsorships, and exhibit income were close to budget. Corporate sponsorships were 328,000, which was about $73,000 below budget. Actual expenses for the convention was $373,700. Budget was $376,200. With this being our first in-person convention in two years and the changes in the economic conditions, it was difficult to predict what our expenses were going to be. And just um, knowing about all the pivoting and changing that we had to do, I do think we did a really good job of managing our expenses for the convention. As you can see, as we've grown to expect, our staff has truly, truly did a wonderful job of managing ACB through hard economic times, and I know they will continue to do so. Um, we, We still have to look at things from the proper perspective. Yes, we're going to lose money for a while, but in order to ensure the longevity of the programs of ACB, 
we are going to have to keep moving forward. If it means using some of the board reserve assets, that's what they're there for. We know that Eric and Nancy and team are going to give us the best bang for our buck. And believe you me, when you look at employees, I've said this a hundred times and I'm going to say it 101 that give their time uh, extra night. When you ask for an employee to be somewhere at night, you're asking for something, you know, that, that these guys uh, do out of the goodness of their heart. You know, Eric made the comment to me that the staff don't look at the clock. You don't see people up and ready to go home at 420 every day. So Bear in mind, when you look at this, yes, it's, it's a bad picture. We've had a bad picture before, and I'm sure we will again. But I'm not as concerned as I would be if we didn't have the staff that we do. And I, I know you're tired of me riding that hobby horse, but you need to look at it and realize that that is true and it's what it is. And from, from my office to you guys, uh, I want to say thank you for the hard work that you do and this report proves right now that y'all are on it and doing the best that you can. Thank you, David. Uh, do, uh, Nancy, if you could uh, reiterate one more time, it was a little over $800,000 loss, but how much of that was due to the, the downturn in the stock market and our loss of, uh, on our unrealized loss, the paper loss? I mean, which as, you, as we heard from Mike Dixon yesterday, if we continue to just stay the course, you know, by this time next year, we're, we're, we'll be probably in a much better position. But what, what, how much is that on paper? At the end of August was $795,100. So, so that's pretty much the entire loss mm -hmm. that we're, we're looking at is due to the downturn in the investments. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, David and Nancy. Uh, do I have a motion to approve the um, treasurer's uh, narrative for year-to-date 2022? Okay. Connie has made the motion. Rachel has seconded. All right. Any additional discussion? And this is Doug. I, I had just had one question. Um, the other fundraising revenue I, uh, line has about $77,000 in it. And I was wondering what, what that is. I think is that's, that's a, the PPP loan. Go, go ahead, Nancy. Yes. Uh, other income or other. Yeah. Well, it's called other. Um, other fundraising income. Oh, other fund. Okay. Are you are you I, looking at the one that's the line by line or the programs? The programs. Just give me a moment. Is there anybody else that has any questions? Because it'll just take me a couple minutes to look it up. Okay, and maybe if, if nobody else has questions, we'll get that answer for you to kind of keep us moving along. Uh, but let, uh, any other questions, and then we'll take the vote. We'll move on to the next item, and then Nancy can look that up for us. All right. Hearing no other questions, all those in favor of accepting uh, the treasurer's report signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed? All right. Thank you, David and uh, Nancy. Great job. All right. Item 13, we're back to David, uh, our ACB treasurer, and Nancy, our chief financial officer. So, David, we'll let you go first while Nancy's looking this up for Doug. Okay, while Nancy's looking this up, each year when we set up the legacy endowment, uh, we would have a drawdown each year, and the board would decide at the fall board meeting how much that draw would be. And uh, when when you're looking at it this year, Understand, yes, it's going to cost us more, 
but it is still a part of our budget process and it's something that we're going to need to do. Uh, what it'll do right now for us is to help us not have to move money and also to know in the budget what we will have on that line next year because, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to find income lines uh, to predict income nines next year. And this one we can actually predict by what the amount we decide to do today. And that amount, Dan, it, I think it's between 3 and 5%. Is that correct? That, that's correct. We have an option for approving a drawdown for between 3 and 5%. And normally, Nancy provides us an amount at 3 4 and 5% to evaluate. So, mm -hmm. uh, David, I believe the 3%, if I'm not mistaken, was around 48000 up to the 5% being at 72000 I believe. Yes, but go ahead. Yeah, and... Frankly, folks, I know it's a bad year, uh, and I hadn't heard Nancy's figures, so she may correct me, but I, I really feel strong that we, we really need, this is hard for a conservative, folks, forgive me, it really is, uh, but I, I really believe that we can't do any less than the five this year. Uh, we, we've got to... You know, our membership has grown to expect the programs that we have. Um, you heard of the the great legislative work. Uh, other people are working hard to pull in money. Eric and Kim and team with with uh, descriptive audio description. So, you know, we need to do our part as it, being fiscally responsible to help provide money where they're not out having to to just grab everything they can and put it into into raising funds because that's going to be difficult and we got bill reader on on tap for that and he's got some great ideas and as long as i'll use my nick saban words here uh bill's going to give us a process and as long as we follow the process he's a proven entity he's raised over a billion dollars is that correct Eric? uh around a billion yeah. So we've got something on board we've never had before, folks, but we need to provide the ability to give everybody the opportunity to do their job. And so unless I hear that from Nancy that I'm just fully off base, I'm going to recommend and move that we do the 5%. Okay. So David has moved that we, uh, do a 5% drawdown from the legacy endowment fund. Ray has seconded. Uh, as we open it up for discussion, I try to do my, my due diligence and research in this area. And what I have read and, and heard over and over again is this is the purpose of a legacy endowment fund. When good non-for-profit organizations take drawdowns is when you're in more difficult times like this with the stock market. And when you choose the lower percentages where things are going good and you and now use continue to have your endowment grow and so it can be there for you when you need it so uh, with that said do we have any discussion questions from our board i have a question sure i'll give you the mic Gabe. so correct me if i'm wrong but uh these uh drawdown from legacy funds can be uh, adopted on a replaceable or non-replaceable basis at future is is this something we're considering or it's just we we have uh we have procedures in place for funding 
the uh, legacy endowment through mostly through bequests right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we would, if we were in a good time, replace them. But, but the idea of the legacy fund is to provide us money at times of need. Yeah. It, it, so, it's, a, it's a reoccurring drawdown to help you with continuing operations, but it's so, what we kind of have leverage over is the, do we do 3%, 4% or 5%. And so that's where David had recommended the 5%. Uh, go ahead, Nancy. So Gabe, you guys, the board makes a decision every single fall on how much it's going to be. So this is not going to increase our net income. It's basically a balance sheet movement. So it'll move the money from our investment accounts into our cash accounts. So that helps with our cash flow at the beginning of the year. Okay, good question, Gabe. Any other questions from our board? All right, hearing none, I'm going to go ahead and call the question. All those favor in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. We're going to do one more item before we take a hey. uh, 10-minute break. David, or Dan, sorry. Yes. yes. Um, Doug asked what that $77,000. Yes. Those are vehicle donations and the money that we get from creating healthier communities, which used to be the CFC. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, before we go to the next one, I have up uh, microphone, David. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting. Uh, I've got a question on something that came up yesterday because I know that at one time Oral Miller managed it and decided where it went. What What is uh, going with? How do, is the Buell Fund working now? Didn't know if you were going with Nels or Buell, but you went with Buell. Okay, uh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, how we spend it and who decides. Well, that's a sort of we're better at how we spend it than we are at who decides. (laughs) So what I have been doing the last couple of years is I do the same amount that we have done the year before, because I do not know who's supposed to be deciding how much money is to be spent on the Buell Fund. I do not have a lot of information on that one either. Don, I I see you have your hand up. Are you saying you do? No, I wish I did. Um, I really tried to work on that before Oral became, you know, unable to work on it. And basically he kind of put me off. And so I'm not sure if we're kind of sort of stuck now. (laughs) I don't know. Um, And I don't, I don't know what we do about it because. Oh, good. Um, But I know Mr. Buell was an advocate for moving. Uh, uh, blind people moving so we're using it right <laughs> yeah uh, paul edwards may know a little bit more than, more a little more than i do okay paul after terry yeah um i know that back in the uh late 90s and early and 2000s and such through the, at least through 2010 i'd say we used to use it for the the uh, what did we call it? The probably the recreation. Yeah, it was zone. the recreation thing at four o'clock every afternoon, and at, in the beginning of that, Oral was running that, and any expenses would come out of that fund for that uh, system. Whether we brought someone in to lead an exercise class or anything like that, um, that's it, that money always came out of that fund. All right. And it, um, Paul would probably, Mike. Yeah. Okay. And while we're getting uh, Paul and Mike, 
my understanding, at least the last few years, what we've done is we've taken 5,000 out annually and we give $3,000 to the convention to hold, like you're saying, you know, those type of exercise related activities uh, to help fund those during the convention. And then $2,000 we go, uh, goes to fund the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Uh, is that right, Donna? Yeah. So that's where at least the last few years without any better knowledge there that the money has gone. But Paul. OK, Paul's going to speak and then we'll go back to you, Terry. So um, thank you very much, Dan. First, um, Mr. Buell was the athletic director at the California School for the Blind. Um, and um, he was he was involved in promoting athletic activity. Uh, all over the place, and he left his his bequest with the assumption that that it would be used for um, promoting physical well-being among blind people and encouraging exercise of various kinds. And uh, I think that the way that we're spending it is is exactly um, in line with with what he proposed. That is that that uh, the the fund as a whole would be maintained, but the interest of the fund would be used every year uh, if projects could be found that directly met uh, the elements of his bequest. And those elements essentially uh, were, as I've described them, they could have been used for kind of sporting events as well, because his primary deal was that that blind people were not remaining as physically active as they should be, and that we as a consumer organization had an obligation to try to promote uh, such activities. So I would suggest to you that another way you could probably expend some of some dollars from that account if you chose was the get up and get moving campaign. Yeah, that, I think that's where all our minds were going, Paul. <laughs> so good suggestion. Um, it's, it was before my time. So I'm thinking that the bequest was the early 1980s. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Paul. And now back to Terry, uh, with Terry, we getting you a mic. Yeah. No, I, I think we, the other thing that at that time oral was doing with it, was um, I don't remember if it was for the I don't know if it was for the whole organization, over him as the national representative was um, paying dues and working with uh, Usaba, the Association of Blind Athletes. Yeah, right. And I and I know him. Right. And Paul saying as a board back then, it was kind of discouraged because of the, the indirect relationship between ACB and USAMA. He, he was, he was. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, and the other thing that Oral and Charlie Hodge worked on a lot was uh, the sports fanatics luncheon uh, yeah. also. Yes. 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 Yeah. Those were fun. I, I really, now that we're over the pandemic, I'd really like to us to reconsider that for next year. That was, we that got, was one of my highlights of the convention. Play by play people in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. Very good questions. All right, David. Uh, all right. So we're now, um, did we, 
did where were we? Did we approve the we approved the drawdown? And I think we're now on to item 15, uh, which is the Board of Publications report. I'm putting my microphone in my nose, which isn't helping. The Board <laughs> of Publications report from Penny Reader, BOP director. So Penny. Um, hi, everybody. You can hear me, right? Yep. Yes, loud Great, and clear. Thank you. So the Board of Publications continues to meet on the first Tuesday of every month. Uh, we changed our meeting time to um, help out all the people that live on the West Coast. Uh, I mean, on the East Coast. <laughs> um, so uh, we actually finished our last meeting before 11 p.m., which was pretty nice. Um, Everyone is welcome to come to our meetings. Um, there is always a Zoom link posted along with the agenda, and the meetings are also streamed on ACB Media. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time uh, lately on the blog. The name of the ACB blog is called ACB Visions. There is a link to it right on the front page of our website. We really, really, really encourage people to contribute to the blog. If you don't feel like you can write, but you can talk, you can uh, create an, an audio file and we'll be happy to put that up. We're about to put up some really exciting audio blogs that Anthony and others have been working on. Um, I know you're going to love them. Um, there are also pictures uh, for one of the upcoming blogs. There is amazing music from musician, a musician, a guitarist from Maryland. Um, the blog has endless possibilities, and the more people who join and the more people who write for it, uh, the more we're going to get our word out to the public and to our members. So um, we've been really working on the blog. In the next couple months, we're going to be talking about BOP awards. Um, our uh, awards used to only apply to uh, written communications mostly. And the world has changed a lot since those awards were created. So we're going to talk about criteria, uh, maybe expanding the number of awards or changing the criteria for some of the existing awards we have. And we'll be letting everybody know what we come up with in that January Braille Forum. Um, also in January, we're uh, planning to have a community call. Um, we're not quite sure what it's going to entail. We are going to update you on uh, things like uh, the criteria for our awards, we may provide some training on the uh, email list. Um, there seems to be some confusion about how to reply to all and how to reply to one mess one sender. Um, so we're thinking about maybe providing some training. Uh, we are still having our quarterly meetings for affiliate newsletter editors. Uh, Zelda does a fabulous job with those. And some of the ones from last year were just so excellent. Uh, David Kingsbury's word formatting, uh, Steve Dresser's Duxbury. Uh, and uh, we want to share that information with everybody. So we're going to uh, make some of those trainings from last year into podcasts. Um, Jeff and Rick have told us they're going to make a whole BOP section on the website for Board of Publications materials, so it'll be a little easier to find our policy manual and to find out what's coming up and uh, to ask questions and access our publications. Um, the last thing we, uh, I think I should talk about is our large print guidelines. They're now in effect, and uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Uh, from members on those, uh, the new way we're doing large print, we're getting a little more 
uh, material into the same amount of space, and that's pretty exciting. Um, we all very much enjoy working on the Board of Publications. We even had a, a social event one Saturday morning so we could get to know each other a little better. Um, and we welcome all of your feedback and any of your questions. And uh, thank you very much. I think that's all I have for the moment. Thank you. Thank you so much, Penny. All right. Do I have a motion to approve the Board of Publications report? I'll okay. Second. Donna moved and Ray seconded. All right. Uh, I, I want to say uh, just one thing. I, I really, really appreciate all the hard work of the BOP uh, board. I get an opportunity to participate with them every week and every month, I should say. And they're just an, a, a really outstanding group and doing a lot of wonderful work. So Thank you to Penny and uh, and Katie and the team. We really appreciate it. All right. All those in favor of approving the Board of Publications report signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. We will now take a break till three o'clock. We're coming back with the ACB Enterprise Services, uh, where we'll have to uh, actually move into our ACB ES board to do business. So we'll be back at three o'clock. <laughs>